1: this is a podcast from Minute Media. And welcome into the Rockspile Rockies Report. I am Noah Yingling, one of the co-experts of Rockspile, and as always, I am joined by my friend and fellow co-expert, Kevin Henry. Kevin,
2: how are you? Doing well, Noah. Beautiful Monday here in Northern Colorado, and uh, and looks like it's going to be a nice weekend in the Twin Cities. I think yes. that might be of interest to you, as it turns out.
1: Yes, it will be. It's supposed to be pretty warm there uh even though they should have a dome there yep. but that's that's a discussion for another day um <laughs> but yeah i will be there um i've been to minnesota before not been to minneapolis before though
2: so well
1: so you therefore know, uh, i've not been to target field
2: target field is a beautiful field uh, i'm envious you're going there uh, i, I w- wish i was but i know you will uh, rock it with K- chris bryant coming back and uh, Target Field will be an interesting place for the Rockies this weekend. Of course, we got to get through Miami first. But I know yeah. right now it feels like all eyes are on the Twins and that series because of Chris Bryant coming back.
1: Yeah. Um, and I think part of the reason why people aren't really paying attention to Miami well, one, it's Miami. I mean, Marlins fans don't care about the Marlins. So why should anyone else? Um, yeah. And secondly, the Rockies are most
2: likely just going to get absolutely destroyed there. It's, it's It's been a house of horrors for the team for years. Um, they have uh, Pablo Lopez going at least in the middle game. Uh, they will miss Alcantara, thank goodness. But, uh, yeah, Miami usually is a tough place for the Rockies to play. At least they had the day off uh, and didn't just go straight from altitude to sea level, but we'll see how that goes in South Florida before they head to the twin cities. And again, with Chris Bryant coming back, uh, I think a lot of people are pointing to this as kind of that, could this be the thing that turns the Rockies around? And I know you and I wanted to talk about an article that, uh, MLB.com's Thomas Harding wrote interviewing Bill Schmidt and talking about, the sweep of the Padres over the weekend, which of course we all love to see that, but is that the um, turning point for these Rockies? They are seven games under 500 heading into Miami. I don't personally see this team getting back to 500 this season. And, And I don't think it's because they're going to play like they did against Cleveland or against Kansas City at home. But I also think that the schedule coming up is incredibly difficult, and they are playing in some places coming up that have never been a spot where they play real well. And I'm looking at you, St. Louis, down the road. I'm looking at you, Miami. Uh, You know, let's even throw in Milwaukee while we're at it as well, right after the All-Star break.
1: And let's throw in Dodger Stadium as well.
2: Yeah. Yeah, and and the schedule just gets tougher. You know, we've talked about that on previous podcasts. But Bill Schmidt in the article, which uh, I encourage everyone to read by Thomas Harding, talks about the importance of getting back to 500 for this team. But Noah, there were a couple other things that I really, it jumped out at me whenever I read the article. Number one, Bill Schmidt says that he's noticing the guys are playing hard and that they play hard for Buddy which I think is a real important thing to point out right now, because there's been a lot of whispers, you know, could, could Bud really be on the hot seat? Is this a team that could make a switch? Uh, I think that would be the worst possible thing they could do uh, to be perfectly honest with you. But I was glad to see Bill Schmidt come out and say how important it was that the players are still playing for Bud and Bud is still getting the most out of the players, but Noah, you and I both know sometimes it's playing the cards you're dealt and what you do with them. And sometimes you get a bum hand.
1: And I mean, look at the roster. I mean, that's, it's really all you need to know. Yeah. I mean, maybe if they do get up to 500, I think the Rockies, or at least with Bill Schmidt would say, Hey, we need to get some better players in here for lack of a better term. But I mean, look at the lineup. I mean, you've got, okay, Dawes is hitting well. Blackman is hitting well. Krohn has hit well overall on the year. What do you have after that? Well, he you know, hasn't been great. Iglesias has no. regressed. McMahon has regressed. Hilliard is in Albuquerque for a reason. Grichick hasn't been the power bat they've needed. Connor Joe hasn't hit for much power. Hampson is doing better, but I mean, considering that. Before this year, he was hitting around, what, probably a 70 OPS. Now he's at a 90. Still not great. Bryant has been injured. Servant has been good. But if they keep playing Diaz on a fairly regular basis, I mean, there's there's only, only so many mediocre offensive players you can have on a team. And the Rockies have about five too many.
2: Well, and I think that if you look back to Sunday's game, really look back to that whole weekend series. Gritchik found his his home run swing. Diaz found his home run swing. Crone all of a sudden got back into that crone zone that everybody talks about. You know, and, and those are all positive signs. But the trick is going to be to keep that going on a road trip where you're going to face some really good pitching. And in the twins, at least, you're going to play a really good team. I would dare say the Marlins. Uh, if you put the Rockies and Marlins side-by-side, side, I, I think that would be a pretty close comparison, honestly, as far as those yeah. teams go.
1: Yeah, it, so, it should be. But, yeah, yeah
2: playing on the road,
1: yep. you No. Know.
2: So I, I understand Bill Schmidt wanting to get back to 500, but you, you mentioned it a minute ago. The second thing that jumped out to me about the article is if they were to get back to 500, and if they were to get back into some sort of contention for a playoff spot, Schmidt says in that article uh, that, you know, he's certainly not going to rule out any kind of trades because guys like Charlie Blackman and Kyle Freeland and, you know, Bard and Colomay and all these guys deserve it. But I thought it was real interesting because he mentions Bard and Colomay as two of the guys that he specifically says about how these guys deserve, you know, the best chance to get in the postseason. And I immediately went in my head. Those are two of their best trade chips if they if things go south as well. So will Bill and Schmidt, if Charlie hits like how Charlie's been hitting, yeah. Well, and, and will Bill Schmidt say the season's over? Let's give these guys a chance to chase a ring somewhere else. I, I think that's going to be something really interesting to watch about how willing he is to deal some of these guys. If let's say they go through, you've got this road trip, and then the Dodgers come to town. So really this is kind of a a stretch here in this next week and a half that I think is really key for this Rockies team about which way they're going to swing at the trade deadline.
1: Yeah. I mean, after this road trip, you have Dodgers, Diamondbacks, Dodgers, Diamondbacks, Padres. Yep. And then the last series before the all-star break is is the Pirates. Yep. Which at Coors Field, they should be able to sweep the Pirates. But – they should have taken two out of three against the Pirates in Pittsburgh. And they lost two out of three.
2: Well, and it's that weird 4th of July start series because 4th of July is on Monday. So three games at Dodger Stadium, as you said. Really, like you said, the Diamondbacks out of these next, let's say, what, five series? That home one against the Diamondbacks is really the only one that you circle and go, okay, they should be able to make up some ground here. Yeah. I don't yeah. see that in the road series against the Marlins or twins, a road series against the Dodgers, or even a home series against the Dodgers. And I know what they did to start the season. I understand they have a winning record against the Dodgers right now. So don't come out, come out of the woodworks with that one. But this was also a little different uh, Dodgers team as well as a Rockies team to start the season.
1: In fact, going through they're 30 and 37 right now. Well, I'll be generous. Miami, lose two of three. Minnesota, be generous, lose two of three. Dodgers, I'll be generous and say win two of three. Okay. Diamondbacks, I'll say two of three. And then for the road series uh, at Dodger Stadium, uh, again, I'll be very generous, very generous on that one and say they'll lose two of three. <laughs> um yeah. Arizona, I'll, I'll be generous and say they win two of three. And then San Diego, that's a four-game series. We'll say they win three of four. And then for Pittsburgh, we'll say they win two of three. Okay. Does that put you above 500? No. It does not?
2: No. That doesn't. That uh, My quick math skills tell me that that's not seven games above right there. No. No. So I think you're looking at, again, going into the all-star break. You're not looking at being 500. You could potentially go backwards on that. It's a possibility. You know, again, we we don't wave the pom-poms. We try to tell you like we see it here. And I think that that's something that if they go into that all-star break and if Daniel Bard is the only Colorado Rockies all-star, which I'm going to predict that's exactly how it's going to play out, then I think a lot of teams are looking at Daniel Bard at the all-star break going, he'd look good in our uniform.
1: Yeah. I mean, there's so many teams that need bullpen help. And the way he's pitching right now, he would help out a lot of teams. I mean, he's got a sub-2 ERA. He's got a sub-1 whip. He's striking out nearly 12 batters per nine innings really the only problem has been the walks, which is a little bit above four per nine innings, yep. um, which is actually above anybody in the uh, Rockies bullpen other than uh, Lucas Gilbreth right now. And Gilbreth has been a lot better lately. Oh, it, absolutely. It's essentially, it's essentially 2021 recreated for Gilbreth so far. Yep. Um, so, yeah, that's, that's been a little bit of a problem for Bard. But, I mean – In general, for the Rockies pitching staff, again, and this is another thing mentioned in that article, is we need uh, the, and then this is Thomas Harding's words, not Bill Schmidt's, soggy fundamentals. Yep. And you look at the Rockies in the last, since I believe it was May 5th or so, um, and they have one of the worst ERAs in the sport. But if you look at the war, if you look at the FIP, you realize they're actually they pitched to a top half of the league. But yes. when you aren't getting any run support, and you have a defense that's uh, suboptimal, yep. then you're going to have things like that where you you aren't you just aren't going to win games. Well, and.
2: I go back to that, you know, I I was there for all the guardian series, the Padres series, and there was a difference between a team that couldn't get the hit when they needed to and dropped fly balls against Cleveland versus a team that played error-free baseball and hit home runs against the Padres. You know, it's, it's not hard to figure out the formula for success for this team. You play good defense and you, you get hits when you need to. And when one of those two things don't happen, this is a team that's in trouble. Now, I think there's something about Coors Field that just has the Padres snake bit right now, losing 10 in a row there in Denver. So there's something going on. There's a little bit of Coors uh, Lodo uh, magic happening whenever it comes to the Padres coming to town. But I also think that if the Rockies play like they did against the Padres the rest of the season, Absolutely. They, they could absolutely get back above 500, but yep. that's not realistic because everything fell into place for this team over the last three games, and it was the things that they were sorely missing the three games before that.
1: And while you were talking there, I did the quick math on my generous outlook. Yep. And that's 14 and 11, meaning they'd be 44 and 48 at
2: the all-star break. So if you can- 500. Okay, but think about it. If you came in at 44 and 48, knowing the Padres, the Giants, the Dodgers, none of them are going to fall off. And I'm sorry, I don't think the Padres are even with Manny Machado and, and what happened to him at Coors Field on Sunday. I don't see the Padres regressing that much.
1: Unless if he if he is out for the rest of the year.
2: Which we're still waiting to hear. As, as and
1: of- if Tatis, if he's not coming back this year, which he keeps the the timeline keeps getting pushed back for him, maybe I could see it. But, but again, but we I, talked on the last podcast. Bob Melvin is different than Jay Stingler.
2: Right. And, and A.J. Preller, I guarantee you, will pull strings. If he yeah. thinks they've still got a chance to catch the Dodgers in the West, he will make something happen to fill in for Machado and Tatis.
1: No yeah, doubt. and let's not forget about the Giants either. Yep.
2: Yeah which, you know, they have been, like, quietly good. I mean, and, and and it's weird to say that, but the Dodgers and Padres have gotten a lot of the attention, and the, the Giants just keep doing what they're supposed to be doing. And it's just like the Guardians.
1: Yep. I mean, they just uh, took two or three against the Dodgers. Mm-hmm. Yep. They're one game back in Minnesota now. And then you see the White Sox who are, oh, they're going to win uh, outright. And, yeah, they They stop. They 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 just suck. They're they're awful.
2: (laughs) It's just like well, they they've they've got so much distracting them right now in Chicago uh, on both both teams, Cubs and White Sox. You know, it's yeah, it's a bad season for baseball in the Windy City. But whenever we get back from the break, we're going to talk a little bit about uh, a little bit more about Bill Smith's article. We're also going to talk about uh, one thing that I want to throw out about Daniel Bard and see get Noah's take on that. So we'll do that right after the break here on the Rockspile Rockies Report. And we are back here on the Rockspile Rockies Report. Kevin Henry alongside Noah Yingling. We are your co-experts for RocksPile.com. Make sure you're checking us out for fresh content every day that is focused on your Colorado Rockies. Noah, I teased this a little bit before, and I'm curious to see what you think. We talked about Daniel Bard going to the All-Star game, which, again, that's, I think, your prediction as well, that he'll be the lone Rockies. Is that right? Um,
1: unless there's some kind of injury to a first baseman and Crone gets in that way, yeah, I would, okay. I would think Bard's probably going to be the only guy.
2: Okay. So, Daniel Bard goes to the All-Star game. It's the only Rockies player representing the team. Let's say he throws an inning, clean inning, you know, all that good stuff. You know one team that really needs a closer right now, Noah? Who? The Boston Red Sox. Well, my, my, my. Could you picture a Red Sox-Rockies deal that would send Daniel Bard back to where it all started? I think that would be one of the most intriguing storylines that there could possibly be for the rest of the season. Yeah. Now, that's if Boston keeps on the path they are right now and decides that they're going to be a buyer at the deadline instead of a seller in what's going to be a crazy AL East finish. But,
1: well, I mean, a wild card finish. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah. That's true. Because yeah.
1: I mean, they're, they're still 13 and a half games back. The Yankees, the blue Jays are 10 games above 500 and they are 11 games back to the Yankees.
2: Yeah. Oh, it's, 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 and you're right. It's an AL East race for the wild card. You're exactly right. Who's going to get in there. I don't know that any other team, you know, sorry, Guardians. I mean, do you see the Guardians sneaking in there ahead of one of those AL East teams? Maybe the Rays, because the Rays have scuffled a bit lately. Yep. But I also Um, see them being active at the deadline, too, which I think will be interesting to watch.
1: It depends on how much they nickel and dime.
2: Yep. Agreed.
1: If they decide to spend a dime rather than a nickel maybe they get in If they decide to spend a quarter maybe i i, w- I would actually bet on them the problem with cleveland is there and we've discussed this before with that we in fact i think we discussed it on the last podcast yeah they their outfield offense it's just atrocious yeah. it's it, they're essentially the rockies in the outfield it's like oh my god and Stephen Kwan is seriously their third best hitting outfielder since Manny Ramirez. It's
0: like
1: they have developed some great pitching. Where else have we heard that? Yeah. But the hitters, it's like, oh, my gosh, they cannot hit their way out of a paper bag.
2: So. Well, my take is that the Guardians are active at the trade deadline. Uh, I think that they will fight to get in there, but I think they're still going to have to knock out one of those AL East teams. And I think you're right. I think the Rays are the uh, ones that could be knocked out of that group because I do think Boston will spend, and I don't think they're going to trade Xander Bogarts and all these things that you hear about. You know, that's not going to happen. They're they're just not going to do that. Whenever I think there's too much pride on the line in Boston after getting so close last year. Yeah. So I think that that's a very real possibility, though. And, and, and that's something I'm going to be watching. If Daniel Bard is traded, could he go back to the Red Sox? You know, and, and I'm also going to wonder, you know, speaking of reunions, would Column A go back to the Twins or the Rays or the Rays? Yep. See, I think that there's some interesting storylines that could happen. I also don't think, and I know we talked about this a little bit last time on the podcast, but the more I was around things this week at Coors Field, I just don't see a scenario where they would where they would trade Charlie Blackman or CJ Crone right now. I, I it doesn't mean they shouldn't. Let me make that clear, but I just don't see a deal where they would trade one of those guys instead of an Iglesias or a Colome or a Bard.
1: Yeah. Um, <sighs> That and that's the thing they, they they should consider it if they don't get above 500, but if, who knows? I mean, there, there's there could be so much that changes between now and August 2nd. Oh, yeah.
2: oh of course. Where,
1: yeah, but I, I really think
2: they should consider it. I think so too. mean yeah. And and you're right. There's so much will change, but I don't think the Rockies' position in the division is going to change in that time. I don't see, you know. Argue with me. Do you think that they could overtake the Diamondbacks?
1: Um, I'd have to look at the Diamondbacks' schedule, but I mean, even looking, uh, we talked about going into the All Star break, going the series after the All Star break for the Rockies, up to the deadline. Four in Milwaukee. I'll be generous and say they lose three of four. Two against the White Sox at Coors. We'll say they sweep them. Yep. Dodgers again, generous. They win three of four at Coors, and then you have one game in San Diego before the deadline that puts them at 51 and 52.
2: Still not 500. But I think at that point, would it be close enough? And, and don't forget that funky trade deadline. There's a double header going on that day in San Diego, there's a split double header whenever the trade deadline will actually be going on, the Rockies will be playing. So I'll be real curious to see how that goes. And
1: I will have you guess, how often do the Diamondbacks play the Dodgers between now and the trade deadline?
2: It feels like in my head, they've already played them a lot. Between now and the trade deadline, I'm going to say there's just a three-game series. Take the
1: under. They do not play them.
2: Really? Interesting.
1: The next time they play them is September 12th.
2: Wow. They got it out of the way early. Yeah. Interesting.
1: So, starting today, they have three in San Diego. That's their entire road trip. They have...
2: Diamondbacks you're talking about, right? Yes. Okay.
1: Three against the... uh, so yeah, three against the Padres, three back home facing the Tigers, two against the Dodgers, then they go back on the road. Only three game road trip again. That's to Colorado. They go back home, three against the Giants, four against the Rockies, back on the road, three against the Giants, three against the Padres. All star break. Three again at home, three against the Nationals, three against the Giants road trip, three against the Braves, and then they're in Cleveland at the trade deadline. Interesting. So it's not exactly an awful uh, schedule that they have, but they
2: do not face the Dodgers. It feels like to me there's a lot of opportunities for the jo- the Dodgers, the Giants, and the Padres over between now and the All Star break, playing either the Diamondbacks or the Rockies. There's a lot yeah. of NL West. Teams in there, so Buried. it feels it feels like it could either be a burial, and they separate themselves even more in the standings, or it could be something that the Rockies and Diamondbacks show a little bit of life and make it closer. Yeah. I'm going to lean toward the former instead of the latter, but maybe I'm wrong.
1: Correct. Yeah, uh, that that's what I would lean towards. I I think there will be more of a burial than a rise from the dead. Yep,
2: a phoenix from the ashes. Maybe is that what there will not be one of those.
1: Uh, no. Okay. It would be advised, but I believe that will not happen.
2: (laughs) I'm just checking on that. So no, one thing that we have not talked about yet, and because it hasn't come out yet as of the moment of this recording is that the Rockies still have to make a roster move before tomorrow's game in Miami. And they have to add a position player because as of right now, they have 13 pitchers and only 12 position players. Now, you and I both know that Chris Bryant is scheduled to be back with the team this weekend whenever you're in the Twin Cities, as well as the Rockies make their way to Minnesota as well. But for those three games in in Miami, the Rockies still need to add somebody. The question is, who gets the call up? It should
1: be Montero. I agree. Should. Agreed. And I would bet nearly anything. It won't be though.
2: And I'm also going to say <laughs> it should be Montero who gets a chance to play. Okay. I'm also going to say that. Yeah. Because if you're just going to call somebody up to call somebody up. Yeah. F- pick somebody else. Uh, yeah. You know, if they're just going to sit on the bench and be an emergency, but I think that if you're really going to put in a guy who's crushing it in a I mean, free Montero at this point, really. Hitting 327 with a 395
1: on base, 563 slugging, 13 homers, 43 RBI, and 53 games.
2: I think you've got to figure out how to get him in the lineup. I, I, yeah. I just do. And, you know, he's, I understand Hampson, it gives you more versatility. I understand, you know, you and I were talking about Alan Trejo coming, going back down to AAA. Could he be the guy to come back up? I understand the versatility he gives you as well. Neither one of those guys are going to be able to turn the game with a home run. Rarely, I should say.
1: Well, the problem is, and this goes to what we were talking about earlier, they have too many mediocre offensive players on the roster. And Montero plays either third or first. Right. Defensively, even with his struggles this year, McMahon is their best defensive player. The numbers still say it too. Yep. You aren't going to take Crona out of lineup. So okay, you could have Montero as your DH, but then you have to get rid of one of those outfielders. Right. Which, so which one are you getting rid of? Joe Daza, Gritchik, or Blackman? Well, Blackman's been your best out. Been your best hitter overall in the last right. three weeks. Gritchik, you just traded for. Joe has been kind of your, uh, not kind of, he has been your leadoff guy
2: and Daza's been good. But I'm wondering right now if, cause Daza was the leadoff guy on Sunday. I'm yeah. wondering if that if Bud starts experimenting with that a little bit more as well. That, that's something I mean, now what does that do to Connor Joe? I have no idea. But, yeah. and I don't think that they'll move him far down the lineup, but I think he may try Daza. At the at the leadoff spot for a little bit, just see if that might kickstart him.
1: And lest we forget,
2: Chris Bryant. Yep. Yeah, and and for three games, yeah, you don't have to worry about that. But you're right, starting Friday, now you've got your left fielder. Yeah, and you don't you don't need to wonder where Chris Bryant's playing. He's playing left field unless he DHs. Yeah. Which, if I'm the Rockies, I let him DH for a game. <laughs> I, I say, you know what? Get your swings in. Let's make sure everything's good before I put you back in the outfield and yeah. you're doing everything else.
1: And that's the thing of, okay, you already have all these outfielders. And at the beginning of the year, it was Charlie who was struggling the most. Now he's your best. You aren't going to take Daz out of the lineup, but at least you shouldn't. So I, I, I think it's probably going to be Gritchick who's going to have his playing time cut the most. I think, but I mean, just trying to balance it all out of, especially the the DH spot. If you call up Montero, that's part of the reason that I think that they should trade Blackman and or Crone at the deadline. If and this is an if they aren't at five hundred or close, if they're at that fifty one to fifty two, I'd say okay, I get it.
2: Yep,
1: but. Uh, they really should consider it because they they've,
2: they've got that log jam there. Oh I agreed completely. you know I, I think that it's something I'm just trying to think and by the way, uh, I just noticed that uh, Thomas Harding is reporting that Montero is expected to be recalled to the Rockies.
1: Well my my my. So there you go. Now let's see if he actually stays up.
2: Yeah. But I'm curious because whenever it comes to Montero, and I've got to look this up just because I I should know this, but I'll be honest, I don't. Wrapped on my head. Give me just a second here. Yep, right-handed batter. Okay, that, I wanted to make sure, but still, you know, one of those things. You're like, I don't want to throw this out there, but a right-handed batter. Could you see a platoon at third base? Potentially. Yeah. I I think that that's another option.
1: By the way, Kevin, I think you knew he was a right-handed batter. It's just I don't think you – he's already been in the majors, but how often has he been at the plate? He's just been sitting on the bench. That's the problem.
2: (laughs) You ever had one of those moments where you know you're right, that you're like, wait, I better check this, even though I know I'm right? That was it. So, But I I think a right-handed bat, you know, we have seen Bud pull McMahon out of the lineup against lefties. Uh, You know, we've seen that time and time again. I think that's a possibility.
1: Yeah, unless he starts showing something here soon, which, I mean, that'd be a great problem to have of, oh, we've got 12 guys that are hitting 290 or above. Okay, then yeah. that's a great problem to have. You're yeah. the Dodgers at that point.
2: <laughs> you know, and it really is something that Matt could come into the game, you know, uh if they needed a, a left-handed bat late or whatever it might be. But I... I think you've make a really good point that when Brian comes back, it becomes a very interesting shuffle in the outfield and with the DH. Now it really does.
1: And uh, now granted this, the, if this happens, this would be a big point of departure of uh, what has happened and what they've said. But especially if Brian if McMahon is not hitting well and they've got, the outfielder sitting well. Do they move Bryant back to third?
2: I I would be stunned if they did that after all the posturing and everything else. I just, boy, I'd be shocked. I, I think you. I mean, they've, they haven't moved McMahon back to second, even as bad as Brandon Rogers was there for a while. You know, I, I just, I don't know.
1: I now, like what I'm, if they move Rogers back to short Mac back to second, and then put Bryant or Montero at third?
2: After Iglesias is gone, I'll say maybe. But I also still think that the Iglesias being gone opens the door for Trejo to be the bridge to Tovar.
1: And who knows? Tovar could be called up right away.
2: There's
1: there's so many questions. Yeah,
2: and the fact that Tovar still hasn't gotten to AAA at bat drives me insane. I just got to tell you that. There's no reason why that guy shouldn't already be in Albuquerque. Just saying. No reason.
1: Yeah, but. especially when you look. Who's their shortstop? Can you Do you know who it is? I, met, I mentioned him right before we started recording.
2: You actually did, and now I can't picture the name. Tell me again. Kyle Holder. That's right. And right, you want to guess what he's hitting right now? It's 209,
1: 287, 278.
2: I know it's not enough that he's ever considered called up. I can tell you that. And that's you know, one
1: thing. Okay, he's a top prospect. If if that was Tovar doing that, okay, top prospect, young guy. Okay, he's 28. Yeah, he's 28.
2: And and I remember whenever all the top for the season was Oh Holder with his Yankees background, maybe no. no. Yeah. I mean, come on.
1: I mean, he hit 216 in the then named Triple A East because it was the International League, and then it was the Triple A East for the year. Now it's the International League again because. Baseball doesn't know what the hell they're doing. Um, He hit 216 there. Yeah. He he had the same exact numbers, nearly identical numbers, 216, 209,
2: 295, 287,
1: 276, 278. Identical numbers. Yeah. For the Yankees last year in Dublin. There's a reason why he hasn't been in the majors. He's not very good. No. Sorry. No, no argument. He's 28, I, I and you know, know. The, the, really, there's only one reason in my mind why he is even with the Rockies. You know that reason? Do tell. He went to the University of San Diego. Ah,
2: I do like that. I do like And that born too. in San Diego, too. There's a lot of San Diego connections. You know, Sean Bouchard was telling us he grew up a Padres fan.
1: Yeah. yeah.
2: So... And he also, uh, by the way, would and a smart man, Sean Bouchard. He would not take the bait on. Did uh, Matt Holliday touch home? Well played, uh, Sean Bouchard.
1: Well, I mean, even Bud Black to this day will say, "I can neither confirm nor deny."
2: (laughs) Exactly. You know, if if you were part of the Padres at that point. You're never going to dispel that. Come on. Or if you were part of that fan base, you're never going to go, you know, yeah, no, you're
1: never going to do well, that. I mean, before Bud Black would have said, if he was the Padres manager, he would have
2: said, oh yeah, hell yeah. He did not touch the
1: plate. Now it's how I will neither confirm
2: nor deny. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Good, good man. That Bud Black is a good man. Uh, all right. So as we wrap up here on this episode, uh, Couple things that I am watching this week. Number one, I'm curious to see the move that's made when Chris Bryant comes back because obviously they will have to activate somebody. Uh, They will have to send, they'll activate Bryant, send somebody down. Is that Bouchard? My guess is probably, but don't be surprised if it's Montero again for some strange reason either.
0: Yeah. For me,
1: it is can they actually play well on the road? Yep. As we were, was we discussed at the beginning. I, I think I'm being generous in saying that they will go two and four on the road trip. If they can go four and two, they can go five and one. Sure. Maybe I'd be willing to amend my uh, 44
2: and 48 at the All Star break. If they play well in Miami, I, I think that all of a sudden it's a little different feel heading into Minnesota. Yeah. I really do. Cause all of a sudden you're like, we did that. And now KB's coming back.
1: Huh? Not to mention if Bryant happens to have a big series in Minnesota.
2: Yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely. You know, as uh, I believe Thomas wrote, uh, the, the latch was thrown by Katie uh, whenever Katie barred the door. Is that yeah. correct? Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> Oh Mr Harding we love you. So I know you will see Thomas and the crew up in Minnesota this week. Safe travels my friend. I can't wait to hear and read about your stuff not only on rocksball.com but also I have a feeling call the and even fansides MLB site.
1: Correct. And hopefully hopefully Thomas can catch that bus because baby we know he was born to run.
2: So Oh we do know that. <laughs> Attaboy. <laughs> Attaboy. Well played. That's
1: what well, that's one of the best things of Thomas on a road trip is just them playing random songs on the PA system and him altering the lyrics because, oh. you know, edge of 17 by Stevie Nicks, just like the New York Rangers, they sing a song. Sounds like she's singing. <laughs> Even well, though it's a you... white wing dove, white wing dove is apparently New York Rangers. Apparently it is.
2: Yeah, you'll, have the, you'll have the full Thomas Harding experience and, uh, We'll be interested here. We'll be back next week with another episode of uh, the Rocks Power Rockies Report. But until then, make sure you're checking out rockspile.com, all the places that Noah and I are putting out content through the fan-sided network. And as always, win, lose, or draw. Hey, go Rockies.